delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is on the grid. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. Big show coming your way. Young Gun Jude Bargwana to join us and talk about his year in motorsport, S5000s, all that sort of stuff right ahead of Jude and we look forward to speaking to him about that. We'll also have a chat to Mark Walker and Richard Crowell. Cover off on a big preview for Simmons Plains this weekend and plenty more to come right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On the grid. All right, joining me, as he always does, off the top of the program, Richard Crail. Hello, Crowsey. Tony, back from enjoying a weekend of sunshine at Phillip Island. It How doesn't often happen often. No, it, it doesn't, does it? But what a, a tremendous weekend the Shannon Speed Series was at the Phillip Island Grand Prix circuit. Uh, amazing event. Lots of people, which was terrific. Good. Lots of mums there on Mother's Day, which was lovely to see. Um, and a really good vibe and some terrific racing, of which we'll document over the course of the show. But, yeah, really enjoyable weekend. And um, that series as a whole is just building momentum and across all the various categories that are part of it. So, uh, yeah, really excited about the year to come and enjoyed a, a really busy weekend down at Phillip Island. Yeah, it's going to be uh, fantastic. Fantastic uh, moving from that weekend into this weekend. We've got supercars down in Tassie. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But our first guest on the program, Krause, is a guy who's been doing extremely well. I was involved with him in Formula Ford last year. And when he got the gig in the S5000, and I thought, gee was that's a bit of a change from the little mm. Formula Ford to that S5000. And uh, oh, geez, do I remember right? That was on the Gold Coast, I think. It was. His first yep. drive. Yeah, and he Correct. did such a great job. And he's continued to do so well since and did well on the weekend as well. Jude Barguana joins us for a chat. G'day, Jude. How are you? Oh, good, thanks. Thanks for having me on, boys. Oh, mate, thank you for coming on board, mate. How's life treating you motor racing-wise? You're doing a great job at the moment. Yeah, look, um, we had a great weekend down at Phillip Island, um, you know, the past weekend. Um, yeah, it was really good to grab a good result and start our championship, um, you know, on a high. So you're in the Kumo V8 Touring Car Series, Jude, which is a category that's had a, a track record in the past of developing some young talent and, and being their first step on that pathway to supercars. Is that how you're approaching this year? Yeah, look, exactly. It's sort of the writing's on the wall, I guess. All you got to do is um look at look at the stats of sort of who's won the series and where where they've gone and gone on and then on where they're sort of racing at the moment. Um, yeah, we've looked at the series as a really good um stepping stone opportunity um into something like Super Two later on in in um, my career. But obviously, you know, the focus is this year is is on this Kumo Championship and, and winning that. You've driven a few things in the last year or two, which is fantastic for you. It's, it's given you the opportunity to try a lot of different avenues in motorsport. But when you look at the future and you look at something for you four or five years down the track, what is that? Is this a line now you're taking effectively in supercars? Yeah, 100%. Um, supercars is the big goal for me. Um, that, that's obviously where, where I want to end up and, and that's the pathway I've, I've, I've chosen and um, we're obviously starting yeah, here now with this Kumo series and um, we'll see where it leads us throughout um, yeah, the next couple of years. Uh, the, the family's obviously had some experience, Jude, in these cars. Have you you drawn much on 
on what Jason's done in these cars and, and other members around of the, the Barguana clan and all its motor racing heritage? Yeah, look, there's a lot of experience around and um, I've got plenty of um, people on my shoulders um, that have a lot of experience um, around these sort of cars. Um, but it's really good to join forces with Anderson Motorsport this year and I'm um, working really closely with my engineer, Brendan, who's had a lot of experience throughout the supercars um, um, world, um, which, which has really helped fast track my learning um, so far in these cars. Well, just on that, Anderson Motorsports become a little powerhouse in a way. They they won Super 3 last year with Brad Vaughan. Uh, they ran Jaden Ojeda in Super 3 in 2019. They've built a really impressive little operation. How did you get linked up with those guys first? Yeah, well, they have built a really impressive um, op- operation. Um, but uh, early in this year, it was actually sort of, um, we did the deal quite late. Michael came to me um about the opportunity and said look we want to put a kid um in this car that's going to win and um that's one thing i really like about the team it's a real family friendly vibe but they're all there for the same thing they're all there to win um and they're all there to get that kick out of winning dude you've been known to have a bit of a personality i hope you're just (laughs) stepping through the grades of supercars and the like that you're not losing that is that still very much a part of you yeah, look, one of my um, massive things um, in in my career onwards and upwards is to not be like everyone else and, you know, to forge your own pathway and um, to have your own little little kick um, that people uh, know you from. Tell me about driving the car, Jeter. It's a good car. It's had a lot of success back back in its main game career and, and now in its, well, second and third life, I suppose, through... Uh, the Kumo series, but what just just explain the driving side of things and and how you got up to speed driving at what is essentially a supercar. Yeah, look, these cars are really technical. Um, you know, a lot of people take it for granted, but they're they're very hard to drive. Um, we had obviously had limited testing in the car. Did one test day that was um, completely wet. So my first dry laps were Phillip Island practice one, um, which ended up we ended up having a miss for us. So it wasn't wasn't the easiest of um, practices for us. But, um, yeah, these cars are, are really tricky in the techniques and there's lots of different techniques between the different builds of cars. So we're running a FBR car, um, which has uh, got, a, got a trait sort of thing where you, you, you can't lift. Like you have mm-hmm. to either be braking or accelerating, um, which is sort of a new thing to me coming out of Formula Ford where your roll time is, is really big. But um, obviously, as I spoke about before, working with my engineer, Brendan, who's also Zach Best's engineer, he's got plenty of experience and, and was uh, just came out of supercars um, from working with Tickford. So they've got plenty of experience around these FBR cars and the way they work. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jude, but you had a test, didn't you, in, Ere- in an Erebus supercar last year? Yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's correct. Tony, I did. I had a test with uh, the Erebus Academy down at uh, Winter Motor Raceway at the end of last year. And what did you take out of that that you've been able to use into this year? Yeah, look, that that test was um really good, and I was really fortunate to have that um and, and get that test through Barry Ryan and the team at Erebus Motorsport. They were um that they were really good in in the way they um brought us up to speed in the cars, um which was really helpful into um the start of my season this year. Obviously, the cars were a little bit different. That was a transaxle car. Um, so it, it drove off the corner slightly better, 
yeah. um, than these live rear end cars. That's what they call them. These FBR later blueprint cars. So, um, but but it was really good ground learning into um, how to drive a supercar, and then now I've been able to jump into something like this. So now that's a real interesting thing that you just mentioned there, Jude, the fact that Barry Ryan and the team brought you up to speed in the car. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people probably out there think that when you've given them the opportunity to, to get a test in a car like this, that you're expected to be up to speed pretty much straight away. You jump in the car and off you go. Is that the way it is? Or do these guys actually work a fair bit with you to make sure that you are 100% comfortable and know the car really well before you actually go out? Yeah, look, we, we did a lot of um, a lot a lot of prep work sort of thing for that test that I did with Erebus, and um, there was a lot of data that we went over before the test, and then obviously we had um, we had a limited amount of laps in the car, but enough to get get comfortable and and know a supercar, and that's what Barry Ryan really set up in that program was just how to get comfortable in a supercar and 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 start to learn all those little things so then you know I, I am the other kids that went and did it can go on to do something like i've done this year with a little bit more experience what was the most challenging thing out of the weekend for you jude and i'm going to start by just bringing up uh <laughs> how hard you made your life in race three when uh you popped the clutch and didn't go particularly far particularly quickly <laughs> well you sort of hit the nail on the head there um that that was obviously our weak point for the weekend, um, our starts. And, and as I spoke about before, we had limited testing. So mm. my first race start in about supercar was race one, four motion laps. So, <laughs> um, so I sort of uh, made it hard for myself. Mm. Um, but we were starting to, starting to learn the clutch um, and, and the way the cars jump off the line. Like they've got so much horsepower and such little grip um, and the way they like um, – get these cars to load up on the line locker is mm. quite a um, skill. Um, but then of no fault of my own, just a little bit of where the clutch actually started to go at the end of race two. So I had to nurse really? the car home in the yeah, last, right. last lap. Um, so then we had to replace the clutch for the last race. So I was unfamiliar with the, with the bite point of a new clutch in the supercars, um, mm. which I found out very fast in that last, <laughs> last race start where I stalled it. But but there's there's pros and cons from every situation. But A, you were taking on a guy. Now, I reckon Jim Policina is the best starter of a supercar in Australia, full stop. I don't think anyone, main game, Super 2, 3 VA Touring Car, starts car as well as Jim. So there's that. Well, when he went flying past me, I, I definitely thought the same yeah, thing. Yes. <laughs> his, his track record, I've never seen him fluff a start in one of those cars. He is... Whatever it is that he does right just works. But but on that, but but what it did do, mate, was give you an opportunity to pass some cars. So you got some proper wheel-to-wheel racing experience and it was a particularly nice move around the outside of Turn 1, if memory serves. So like, there's positives out of those scenarios, aren't there, in that you got a bit of, bit of arm wrestle and a bit of battling experience as well. A hundred percent. Like we spoke about this in our, in our debrief after the race. Um, but yeah, it, it was actually a really good experience for myself and, um, and, and I got to push the car to the absolute limit. Um, these cars are very easy to go beyond the limit. And when you go beyond the limit, um, th they don't like it. They, um, get their speed out of just being just, just, just off that limit, um, and not overdriving the car. So it was good to be able to practice, um, not overdriving the car, but driving it to its maximum potential, and then and then obviously to have um, 
some slower cars that I was coming up on and being able to practice that passing, as you said, wheel-to-wheel racing. And Shebex, just on that, um, Jude's best lap came in that final race when he was um, chasing down Jim Polisander and Jamie Tilly, who ultimately won race three. And his best lap... worked out the clutch. Yeah, correct. Well, (laughs) new clutch. Uh, His his best lap was a 34-2, which was less than a second off the outright um, Kumo series lap record. Yes, yeah, nice. that place, which is set by Gary Jacobson, a decent, decent steerer with a lot of miles. So um, the the pace was legit. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Hey, mate, before we finish up, I want to ask you about your cousin Ben and yourself. Is there a little bit of family rivalry there? Do you guys sort of play off each other to see who's doing better and all that sort of stuff? Oh, a hundred percent. There's always going to be that little bit of family rivalry. Rivalry, I think. Um, Benny and I, we got on get on really well. Um, yeah, we're, we're best mates. We're cousins. Um, yeah, we have a laugh off track, but but on track, we, we're there to race, we're there to win. Um, and I definitely think there is a little bit of rivalry there mm. of um, who, who, who can be better. But, um, yeah, ultimately, we're cousins and, and we're best mates. I'd love no. to see you two blokes. You need to get yourself a BMW M3 and run an outright car at the 12, at the uh, six, six hour, hour next Easter. Because yeah. the Audi's great, but you need something that can win it outright with you two. We're looking for something. Oh, good. Excellent. There you go. Well done. Like it. And in all honesty, we would love to see a Barguana-Barguana combination at the Bathurst 1000 one day, wouldn't we? Surely. Wouldn't that be fantastic? That that would be the ultimate. It would be, be, wouldn't it? Yeah, for sure. Hey, Jude, congratulations, mate. Uh, Life's treating you well at the moment, which is fantastic. We hope that it keeps going better and better for you, buddy. Thanks for your time tonight. Really do appreciate it. And keep up the great work. Thank you very much, boys. Cheers. Thanks for having me on. Jude Barguana joining us here on The Grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. All right, time to welcome our mate Mark Walker on the program for a check today, Mark. Hello, team. Well, that was a big weekend of motorsport, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> I had a bit on. That was uh, a pretty bloody good race meeting we had down there that broke out at Phillip Island, wasn't it, Richard? It was, Mark. Well, tell us all about it. I didn't get to see too much of it because I was busy with football over the entire weekend, so that sort of counted me out a little bit. So take us through it. Oh, gee, I don't know where you start. I, I think um, I think the best thing to talk about is just the vibe, right? Because the vibe, the vibe was genuinely great. There was a really good crowd, like actual crowd, which... It, like, even on Sunday on Mother's Day, which is a, yeah. a hard sell for anyone, mm. but... Um, yep. Yeah. Good crowd. The weather was perfect. It has um, never been better weather no, than that. No, that is literally the best weekend of weather that's ever happened at that place, ever. Unbelievable. Yeah, that was great. Um, the, the on-track product was, uh, in probably most instances, good. Uh, in some instances, really, really good. Um, so that was that was a big tick in the box, I think. Um, the storylines to come out of it from a category point of view are sensational. Uh, the the fisty cuffs are even better, which we love. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm really wrapped with the meeting. I thought it was an excellent weekend of, of car racing. That it sort of feels like big boy car racing, doesn't it? It's it's proper and and it should be because it is proper national level high profile stuff. But you walk away from that feeling all the emotions and all the stories that you get out of a supercar round, which is really cool. Okay, so where do we start? Trans Am. So we have to start at Trans Am. Well, and where do you start there? Do you start with Owen Kelly? I mean, is he the Kyle Bush of Trans Am? (laughs) 
<laughs> Holy smokes. Oh, well, I, I don't know if he's the Kyle Bush um, because he's actually likable, but he's... <laughs> but uh, the thing I loved most about Owen, so, so for those that aren't aware, Brett Holdsworth and he had a bit of a, a biff and barge down at Tassie in round one and Brett threw some shade in the media beforehand, which is great. We want that. We want these personalities talking out. That's fantastic. Um, Owen Kelly promptly let his driving do the talking and won the first race on Saturday. And then in the post-race interview said, I just let my driving do the talking. And, and then, then promptly did the talking bit. and did a little, <laughs> nice little drive-by, uh, which was sensational. And then on Sunday, he got punted by his own teammate, Eden Thornborough, and gave him a bit of a drive-by as well. I will go and have a chat. Um, that was tremendous. But uh, yeah, I love it. It just, it all of a sudden feels like, feels like, and I used this term before, big boy car racing, and it's properly serious gloves off stuff now. And there's some real, and and the best thing about it is that it, none of this is made up. It's not dramatized for our enjoyment. This is what people have actually got beef with with each other, which is just great. Mm. Nash Morris, um, you, you know, his career to date is a bit like, oh, what are we doing here, Nash? Like you've been around a bit, you know, he won Super 3 back in 2021 when it was a bit of a COVID year. Uh, so, man, give that with a grain of salt and hasn't finished in the top 10 in Super 2 this year. Mm. Come Sunday, holy smokes, sign him up, boys. That was really, really good racing, good hard defensive racing. He had, you know, who's up against Moth mm. in that final race and he didn't let him pass. Mm. Like, Moth got passed, but he <laughs> got straight back past again and won the race by point zero nothing. It was unbelievable. I was standing up there under the bridge at the second last corner and it's one of those things where they went out of sight and got, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> and it was. It was kind of like you prefer to be watching that on telly than sitting there at the track where you couldn't see uh, everything that went on because it was really, really good stuff. Yeah, I was uh, I was in the TV garage, which was garage one, pit exit, which is where all the TV guys based themselves out of. Um, and I was emceeing the podium for that afterwards. So I had audio kit on. So I had, I had Matty White in my ears and I uh, was watching the monitor and, and it was... It felt like supercars 2003, four, five um, with Maddie pinging off the rev limiter in this amazing fight. Um, and that that's the best racing finish of the year so far in any category. I've been watching this season um, between he and James Moffat and genuine hard racing, but it wasn't just the finish though. It was both Sunday races had mm. moments where you just went, Oh my God, what was that? Because you had four cars wheel to wheel swapping positions they all slide around like those things are around the hay shed. They're always sideways. Yeah. It's such a good product. And it's probably something that we lacked in Trans Am last year with Nathan Hearn smoking everybody. But now we've got Moffat, you've got Ben Grice, you've got Nash doing a great job. You've got Owen Kelly at the front, Brett Holdsworth, Jay Robotham had a quiet weekend, but he'll get there. Um, it, it's genuinely hugely competitive um, with a bunch of quite good or very good drivers at the front of the field. So in cars that are pretty ugly to drive, but that puts on great car racing like we saw on the weekend. They were guilty in the past of having races there at Phillip Island that were too long and yes. the cars became too shagged and they were all yep. just busted by the end of it sort of thing and the racing wasn't much chop, but that was mm. absolutely spot on the right sort of race lengths there in the weekend. And even that second race, it was an absolute 
ripper, but we got robbed of the finish there <laughs> with the safety car coming yeah. out. So that could have been the same again. Yeah. I've said it on this program before, and I'll continue to say it. If supercars wasn't around and Trans Am was our main event V8 racing, everyone would cop it. You would love it. Yeah, I, I agree. And the the frustrating thing is, so those cars are like 160 grand by the time Correct. you put them on a racetrack. Yeah. So they're hugely affordable car racing. And and you know, there's there's guys there may be spending 10 grand around to run them, which is which in motor racing terms is not a not a lot. They're doing 36s at Phillip Island, but I'd challenge anyone to say they look slow because they didn't. I I didn't go out and look at those things and go, gee, they're a bit slow and wallowy because they look they genuinely look fast and they are quick cars around there. So they're only six seconds lap slower broadly than the average GT3 lap time on the weekend. And those things have got a million pounds of downforce and a, a brilliant slick. So it's such a good package. And, and I think we can dive into an existential supercars talk if we want to, but you know, it, it could be gen three and update the body styles with the current Camaro Mustang and no one would know the difference, but the, Correct. the racing would be bonkers. But anyway, um, we're but lucky we've saying- got trains there saying that that everyone's oh you know if this was supercars yeah we should have not done gen 3 you look at gen 3 that race at saturday yeah, at right. gallo was yeah. brilliant yeah mm. it was just as good yeah anyway mm. anyhow uh from that to this uh TCR. 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 it was good good mm. storylines there as well uh that michael clemento win race two and I'm being absolutely genuine when I was over the far side of Lukey Heights and you couldn't really hear the PA there, mm. but you heard this screaming coming from <laughs> the top of the top of the uh, pit building. And it was the fan club going absolutely bunter when he got the stole the lead there in the last lap and won the race. There's an underdog story come good. That can only mm. happen in TCR, isn't it? Old yeah. uh, Hyundai XL punter uh, had the new seat out there in the weekend and he did a, an awesome job. Uh, Josh Bucken, you know, he's, uh, he's real good, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> you know, the, the new Hyundai is a good bit of kit and uh, he's definitely going to take someone's job in commentary one day. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah. It's, it's pretty irritating uh, actually how, how talented he is. It's very, he's got a <laughs> very dry laconic wit in the commentary box, but he's the thing about Josh is he's an absolute nuffy yeah. as well when it comes to the history and the cars and, we were talking about old supercars. He was calling Kumo series with me and he was rattling off some, you know, oh, that's the car Craig Lowndes drove. Oh, yeah, and it did this at that race. I was like, oh, God, even I forgot that. So <laughs> irritating. So, um, and he's much younger than me as well. But uh, no, so well well done, Josh. Congratulations on your role in supercars commentary in 10 years. Um, nice job. Yeah, it was good. Uh, it was pretty good racing. Race three was a bit quiet, but races one and two had plenty going on. Um, some big swings in the championship there. Tony D'Alberto with a shocker weekend in the Honda. Yeah, that tyre issue, race one. Mm. Nobody wanted to be on pole for the reverse grid race two because they, well, they all just dropped out. And that was a really strange decision by that team to pit as well. Um, because when that tyre went down, he could have limped the thing home, gone a lap down, but still would have finished and been classified. Yeah, um, but and, you, you, you got a certain amount of time to finish your last yeah, lap and would he have done it? At least you would have tried. But they, yeah. they pitted and they were 300 metres away from crossing the line and getting a flag. So at least you try and put yourself in the best position. In in this championship where 
finish it's a tcr is that with a reverse grid race especially is a kind of championship where if you finish third or fourth in every race you're definitely going to win the series yeah so um a what DNF, about our old mate tom oliphant what happened there he shortcut or something did he oh no they just um no no what happened it looked like he blew up yeah except there was a tire issue down yep. at uh turn four he's gone straight down the escape road and then he's gone oh hang on most of the way back to my garage here so we'll he's taking the driving. shortcut back mm. through the pits and he, Put a new tire on it, finish tenth or ninth or whatever it was. You can't in the do end. that. You can't take a shortcut, unfortunately. No. It's sort of mm. sort of thing you get away with in a celebrity race, but probably not in a TCR race. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even going back to pits and with the pit stop and all that. I mean, he lost a couple of laps, but you you cannot rejoin the circuit having been through the back of the pits, basically. So uh, that makes sense. That was yeah. Well, yeah, it does. But it, it's sort of a another faux pas from a, a reading of the rules point of view. But um. Anyway, look, the, the Lincoln Co. was quick. Like, he qualified sixth, half a second off pole. So the thing was clearly fairly rapid, um, given they haven't done much testing and, and they're pretty decent. So uh, I think that thing will be a contender as the, the year goes on by the looks of it. Did, did Will Brown finish some races by the end of the weekend? Uh, I think he finished... Um, so he finished eighth... No, he finished 11th in race two and eighth in race three. So... Four wow, DNFs hell. in a row, uh, two basically qualified last, and then, um, yeah, uh, and mm. barely any championship points, and he's still last in the championship. What, what's a lemon car warranty on a Audi TCR? Well, <laughs> good question. I don't know. What it does set up, though, is you can bet now that if they do get that thing reliable, um, in every single TCR race for the remainder of the year, Will Brown is going to be at 15 out of 10 maximum attack. So it'll be win or be in every single race from here on in. There's no doubt because championships probably you never say it's out of the equation, but you can't. I just don't think you can drop four races in a field that good and um, and win a title. So he's got a job to do there, young William. But uh, fortunately, the uh, Kokomaro is going along nicely, so he'll be uh, in something a little bit different this weekend in Tassie. All right, boys, wrap up the uh, rest of the weekend for us. Well, we need to talk about GT World Challenge because... Uh... <laughs> well, <laughs> speaking of blow-ups. Oh, man, how good is that? Um, again, something that has just come naturally out of a couple of years of aggro between some of the better AM drivers in the country. And um, they play for big sheep stations in GT3 racing. And in Liam Talbot and Yasser Shahin's case, it seems to be a... Uh, uh, sheep country more than a station because um, it's pretty bloody big aggro. Yeah, go mm. and uh, jump on the race talk.com power rankings, go down to beefs. Yes. I think it was number three hot <laughs> yeah. and there were beefs. Yeah. We should call it lamb for the sheep station. Shouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, yeah. But yeah, it was, it was good. Great was generally good racing out there too. Mm. You know, with guys like Gunnett Patterson and uh, Jad Jader, especially they were great. You know, Max Hoffer again uh, came good there uh, with Jeff Emery on the Sunday race, but mm. uh, there were spicy races, plenty happening, which is what you want to see. Yeah, so the three major brands have all won a race now. Um, admittedly, the the Harold's Racing Ojeda Palakas car won on Saturday by default, but uh, you know they they were not penalised, and the Porsche was. So congratulations to those guys. Um, it was interesting. We asked last week who would step up to fill the void of Triple Eight Race Engineering, and it was them. So yeah. uh, really good job by that team to get Merck at the front and Triple A will be back for the next round. So, um, yeah, there'll be some more spice 
there in what is a really spicy championship. There's a, a lot going on in GT racing in Australia at the moment. It's pretty healthy, which is cool. Um, S5000, what happened on that restart uh, that essentially no, we'll, cost? We'll, we'll come to that. Oh, okay, cool. Good mm. chat. Hot dots coming up soon. Mm. Stand by. Uh, well, there's a, pre- there's a review. Let's do a preview. Tassie this weekend. The Plains of Simmons, uh, another good test for the Gen 3 products. Uh, read some comments from a driver whose name I've forgotten. It's one of them uh, that uh, they're a bit concerned about uh, brakes at this venue yeah. because it will be the biggest test for this current package. And uh, at Wanneroo, they were they were heating their front brakes following closely. And we've, we've talked about the fact they're cooking the front tyres now. It's not an aero wash issue. It's just a, a front tyre overheating issue. And Breaks a part of that, so the the Was biggest stop Cam on the Waters calendar. Who said that? It might have been Cam Waters. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I I don't recall, but anyway, I, I prep I prep hard for this show. Um, so he, uh, yeah, so that that will be interesting with that massive stop down at the hairpin. That by race three they could be a a, a bit uh, a bit tardy, but that'll be interesting to watch. And yeah, let, let's just see if the the form guide that we have right now, which is reasonably unpredictable, continues to be reasonably unpredictable. You know, it's always been a triple eight circuit, but it's a clean slate this year. I mean, I remember one time when they lobbed up to the Grand Prix, they had some special trick steering rack in it that would help them get around the mm. hairpin. And they went and went and tried it at the Grand Prix and they kept it in for Simmons Plains and went and smoked it for Simmons. So they lose a lot of that secret sauce that they've developed over the years. They know what they need to do there to make a car go fast, whether they can translate it, that into Gen 3 spec, that remains to be seen. I think one of the big talking points is going to be... Uh, Nick Perkat versus statistics. So uh, it's his 300th <laughs> race this weekend and he's finished on the podium in both his 100th and 200th starts. So oh, can, yeah. a, can a horrible season for Nick Perkat be counterbalanced by his 300th race? This is the world. This is the challenge of the world. It might be the end. It might be. We all hope from it does. Mm. Oh, we all hope 100%. It does. He, uh, he hasn't forgotten how to drive. So uh, hopefully the Walkinshaw guys turn up and I mean, Chaz was, has been quick there in recent times as well. So that's another team to uh, keep an eye on. For. for me, the big talking point of the weekend is the continuation of Erebus and their, uh, their upfront domination at the moment. Can they continue that? Well, there'd be no reason to suspect why they wouldn't because yeah. they've delivered everywhere, haven't they? So yeah, hope so. It's been a great story of the season so far. And, and you know, if, if Camaros are going to dominate, well, then it may as well be someone other than Triple Eight. But, yeah. yeah I, which two Fords are going to barrel into each other this week? Well, yeah, what what friendly fire can they produce? Sure, there's going to be a 15-car pile-up at the hairpin involving every single Mustang, surely. New and inventive ways to lose a car race. And it, they're getting pretty desperate if they're doing that to uh, prove that there's no parity in the category. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> no, I'm not wishing for it. <laughs> I'd like nothing more, Shebex, than a Mustang to go and win this weekend because it would be just stop all this rubbish chat that's yeah. going on. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, I, what Ford team steps up is genuinely one of the big stories because for mine, and, and irrespective of whether there's parity or not, they haven't done a very good job, regardless, I don't think. Yeah. And, and, you know... If you look at the four teams, it's probably James Courtney who's been the best of them throughout the year, but yet he's just had this awful run with DNFs and DNSs and crashes and fires and all sorts of stuff. But he's probably been the most consistently quick out of all of them, to be fair. Um, but the DJR cars have been massively hit or miss. Um, and, you know, Tickford 
seem to be the same. So, and and the problem is you've had Camaro teams step up like Erebus, who were going along really really well. So you know, will it will it be the Penrite cars? Will it be Grove Racing again, like it was at Wanneroo for part of the weekend, being the quickest Fords? I don't know. It's going to be um, it's going to be one mm. of the big storylines this weekend. I just I worry I worry Mark if we come out of this weekend with another three Camaro victories though because the parody talk's going to become deafening whether it's true or not it is just going to become deafening. I think yeah. so much of it's going to come down to qualifying because very short track all the cars are the same uh, essentially three corners you got to get them all right it's a sort of place where you can see a bit of a left field qualifying success story come through and they'll be able to hold on in the races you'd think mm. so if somebody can absolutely get their act together and qualify, you know, you look at Van Gister at Barbagallo or Carco or whatever it is these days, he was nowhere in that last race and it showed like he's, his Sunday sucked. So it's going to be very important to get it right. And, you know, do you work with your teammates and get a draft or something? You know, it's a sort of place where that could really make a big difference. Well, and the draft is a thing in these cars now. So they can actually slipstream in Gen 3 cars, which the drivers have been talking about. So, yeah, will that play a role in qualifying? That's going to be a, a big story. Uh, weather actually looks okay. Uh, she's going to be brisk. Yeah, 13, glad... 14 every day, but no yeah, rain. I'm glad. Yeah, but it's more the overnight lows I'm looking at, Shebex. So one degree Friday, <laughs> one degree Saturday, and five degrees, a positively yeah. balmy five degrees Sunday. So, um I'm glad Porsche make a uh, really, really good range of high-performing cold weather gear because they yeah. race in cold weather European markets. So uh, uh, you don't know how much I'm looking forward to the Formula Ford race on Saturday morning, being at eight twenty-five. Oh, oh you black will be lucky to be two degrees when that happens. <laughs> God, <laughs> could you imagine that? You, you've got them six wide coming down the back straight, and they hit that black ice patch. That'd be huge. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty, um, I, I don't know if I really enjoy the scheduling for this weekend. I think, it, I don't know if they've quite got that right, but the undercard is pretty spicy. Like you said, Rich, you've got the Porsches there, their second round of this challenge uh, after a really good start at Phillip Island and mm. good storylines there with some young guns out to prove a point. Sprint Challenge is blockbuster this year and another young talent joins this weekend in the form of Oscar Target, who's one of the best carters yeah. in the world. With the Grove Junior team, which is good. Uh, Marco Giltrap leads the championship coming in. Superstar young Kiwi. Aaron Shields in good form. Um, we haven't seen much from the McElroy drivers in round one. So Lockie Bloxham's now got plenty of miles in these cars. Young Caleb Sumich, Tom McLennan are quick. Harrison Goodman for Sonic has been fast in round one. Zach Stitchbury, Ronan Murphy, son of, has got some uh, new backers on board, which is good to see. So he's funded... Now for the rest of the year, which is great um, in his Sonic car. And yeah, I mean, there's 10 kids in that category that I think can win races this season. It, it is the best young driver category in the country right now in terms of the, the depth of talent in that field. So um, yeah, three races, two on Saturday and a longer one Sunday for the uh, Jim Richards Enduro, which is going to be great. And they, uh, the, so the last time Sprint Challenge raced in Tassie, uh, the top four were Max Vido, Harry Jones, Ryan Sewell, and Aaron Love. So Aaron Love's now, as we saw in Wanneroo, front of Super 2. Harry Jones this weekend starts his first race in Porsche Mobile 1 Super Cup at Imola. Uh, and Ryan Sewell's not doing much at the moment, but um, Max Vido uh, is co-leader in Porsche Career Cup Australia. 
So that was 2019. So three of those four drivers have all significantly progressed their careers to a, a very much higher level, which is great. So that's what Sprint Challenge can do for you. And I'm sure we'll see the same with this group of youngsters this weekend. Okay. Sprint Challenge is fantastic. With the right of reply from Formula Ford, Tony Shebecki. Yes. Yeah. How Another are you guys looking? You literally got the PRs for the two of the <laughs> major support categories there this weekend. Inadvertently, we've managed to engineer that. Speaking of uh, speaking of great young drivers in a fantastic young category, that's uh, what we're going to see this weekend. There's no doubt about it. It's been really good the first two rounds up there at Morgan Park and Sydney Motorsport Park. And the first time that Formula Fords have been to Simmons Plains since 2013, gentlemen. Hmm. In that uh, year, Anton Di Pasquale won the round, but he was hotly contested by Hunter McElroy, who was right behind him throughout that uh, season as well. Those two uh, pretty much sharing race wins right throughout the year. This time, though, it is going to be uh, a Sonic driver who takes a, the series lead into the race. And that, of course, is Matt Hilly, who's won four of the six races so far this year. Zach uh, Lobko winning the other two, and they've both also shared the two pole positions as well. So expect those two guys to be pretty much up the front and uh, they'll be really pushed hard. I'll tell you what I'm really looking forward to though, guys. On Friday at 2.30 at the uh, Formula Ford garages, there's a real great opportunity for our current Formula Ford drivers to meet some past Formula Ford champions, such as Cameron Hill, Jack LeBrock, Shane Van Gisbergen, who wasn't a champion, I don't think, but was definitely a uh, not, Not an Australian champion. Mm. Might have been over there in New Zealand. Uh, Tim Blanchard, Chas Mossett, Nick Perkett, Craig Lowndes and Dave Reynolds all coming to have a chat to the boys and uh, have a look at their current gear and, uh, yeah, just swap some stories. So really looking forward to seeing those guys over at the garages on Friday afternoon. What's the entry list like? Pretty good. 19 cars. Good. Uh, that's the national right. – yeah, that's what we've had right throughout the uh, the series so far for the first two races and we carry that into Tassie as well, hoping that this might become a regular for uh, Formula Ford down there at Tassie. I think we'd really love to have this on the calendar as a regular uh, event with supercars. Yeah, that's very, that's a good feel. 24 Aussie racing cars, 23 in Sprint Challenge. Uh, and then the Tassie Tin Tops will have their usual array of cars. So it's yeah. actually a really good support program for the Tassie fans, which they've deserved because it's been pretty rubbish for the last couple of years. So um, no, good, good stuff. I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to seeing Formula Ford. I haven't seen them live for a couple of years. And so I've recovered from the last experience. So I'm looking forward to... Um, being stressed out massively by uh, a bunch of teenagers doing four wide drafting down the back straight, which is going to be amazing. Loving the fact too, that I think Garth Tan is going to be on the mic during the confirmed. Uh, yeah. Ford, with, so, yeah uh, so that's with great. Chattels, uh, so yeah, that'll be good. Yep. What he doesn't know about formula Ford probably isn't worth knowing. Mm. True. There you go. Yeah. Sorry, Mark. I thought you were hosting. No, no I'll, back I'll to go, me. Yeah. Back to you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else we need to cover off for Tassie? Uh, watch it. Yeah. I reckon it's going to be some good racing down there for sure. Uh, NASCAR's Mark. Yes, they're at Darlington this week. Um, I'll, I'll try and surmise what happened. Ryan Newman uh, on his return caused a late caution. Then there was a restart and everyone wrecked. Uh, then there was another restart and Larson and Chastain wrecked for the second restart in succession. Uh, then William Byron on the last restart, he was the only one with a straight car and he was able to drive away from the field to take the win. But nobody cares about that because Ross Chastain, he's done it again. Um, and earlier in the race at the end of stage two, uh, he got caught up with Martin Trokes Jr. who was running behind him, but wound up in the fence. So that means that now Ross Chastain has wrecked cars ahead, beside and behind him. 
<laughs> which is just fantastic. And he wrecked himself on that last crash. So uh, he's really collected the whole set there. So uh, well done to Ross Chastain. This week is the all-star race. Um, change of format there. They're off to North Wilkesboro, which cool. is uh, an old historic track. And they've um, put a bit of polish on it. And uh, they've left the track as it was when it used to run back in the 1990s. Uh, so that's going to be very interesting. It's like having the Supercars all-star race at Malala or Lakeside. Oh, Malala. How good yeah. would that be, though? Let's do like, it. Why aren't we doing it? If it's good enough for NASCAR. Totally. Like totally. They, they just know that it's going to be a traffic disaster because they've put up all these temporary grandstands. There's no yeah. way that they're going to be able to get people in or out of the job. It's going to be a disaster. No, nah, uh, it'll be magical. They'll all so have Who a fills up time. an all-star field? All-stars. Oh, they're formats. whoever. doesn't matter. They're just ludicrous. If, you get if, voted in. There's a popular vote. There's you race. You won a race. In. You've polled it. Like yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty loose. It's yeah. not like it used to be. But they've got the All Star Open to start with, so you can race your way in. And uh, then there's all the others who have all sorts of qual- qualifications. But whatever. Mm. It's uh, it goes between about seven a.m. and midday on Monday. So take the morning off work. Hmm. Look forward to that. Shebex IndyCars were at the Speedway, but on the yes. road course. So Alex Polo won the Indy Grand Prix, which was a big result. McLaren had three cars in the top five, which was a big result for them. Uh, Penske had a really, really average day, and we're mm. pretty much P nowhere and everywhere. So, uh, But as we speak, uh, well, as you listen to this, dear listener, uh, cars should have been on the track for the first uh, practice sessions on the super speedway for the Indianapolis 500 mile sweepstakes, 107th, 107th running. And uh, yeah, it'll probably be raining, but um, so yeah, back into speedway form, they start with uh, a veterans practice and then an Indy refresher for some of the, uh, the drivers looking to get back up to speed. And then uh, there's a rookie orientation as well. The rookies have to go out and, and pass a set number of speeds before they can be given the tick to run. And then they barrel into a couple of days of practice. Uh, Friday this week, they give them their qualifying turbo boost. So fast Friday, we see the, the properly quick speeds up in the 230 mile an hour range. Um, qualifying is over the weekend, both days. Uh, grid positions, 12 back set on Saturday. Um, there will be bumping. There are 34 Ooh, cars going good. for 33 spots. So someone's going to be really upset at the end of Sunday. Um, and then they run the fast six cars to get pole position for uh, the coveted Indianapolis 500. So uh, it's a tremendous, tremendous way to set the grid for a race. So looking forward to that this weekend. I think Stan's got all the IndyCar stuff live this weekend, which will be really cool. And then obviously the race next weekend, which will be uh, even better. Yeah, it's on the TV guide at theracetalk.com. It certainly is. That's an early hot for me. I love the way that they do all that indie car build-up. Uh, tradition and it's 100. Yeah, but it's great, and they just of, haven't yeah, changed yeah. it, and they probably never will, and it's just really, really cool. Yeah, I, I want to go and do a full month of May at some point. They do the Grand Prix and then do all the practice and quality days and, and build up to the race. I think it would be very, very cool. So, no, looking forward to that. It's going to be uh, who wins this race is absolutely no idea. Like, Chevy dominated IndyCar last year, but got smoked at the 500. So, um, but they're, uh, they were pretty good at Texas earlier this year. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who um, who comes out on top. Can I put in one vote for you not to go and do a whole month of May because we'll never hear the bloody end of it? No. Well, do you remember that time, oh. Shebex, when we went in 2016 do, to the 100th running of the yeah. Indianapolis 500? I will never, ever forget it for as long as I live, Richard. Oh, mm. I've, I've left the chat. 
<laughs> on the same boat, Mark, do you remember when you and I went to the 60th running of the Daytona 500 in 2018? Barely. <laughs> <laughs> well, it certainly doesn't. Uh, right, let's uh, dive right, in, let's shall we? Hots and knots. Go on, Richard. Kick what us off. We, what are we starting with? Oh, let's start with hot. Okay. Because I know that Mark has a massive he does. He that does. he's going to wrap us up. I think we need to end the show on that. So, yeah. uh, hot month of May, of course. Uh, Matty White calling Trans Am. I loved that. It was such a flashback to touring car racing of the two thousands that that I grew up with. I loved that. The Trans Am series is obviously hot because, yep. yeah, of course, it is. Um, I had another one there, and I can't read my own handwriting. So. Um, I'll pass on that. <laughs> I'll jump in and save um, you and have a have a quick read. Uh, my two hots mm. are uh, a great story too to see that there's a brand new permanent motor racing facility up there in northern Queensland, oh, and that motor boy. racing precinct drive it's at NQ. Mm. So oh, did I steal that? Sorry, mate. Yep, no, mm. good work. Two point seven k track, educating and racing. So educating drivers as well. It's not just a motor racing track, but they got learners and P platters doing their thing there as well. The amazing thing is, it took eighteen years for them to get here and mm. to this point to actually open up the track. So that is an amazing story. Well done to them. And also my other hot, I did mention before the fact that we're going to have those uh, supercar X Formula Four drivers come and meet the young yeah. kids uh, for a half an hour chat and stuff. That's going to be really good. Uh, to see how the young kids uh, respond to that. I think they're going to absolutely love it. The other hot I had was that uh, campsites went on sale for the Repco oh, Bathurst 1000 this morning. They went on sale at 8 o'clock and 90 minutes later, Gonski, gone. Okay. They, they've already they're got on, a lot of renewals in there. So a lot of people, than, yeah, they just roll than, over. More than seven. Yeah, but they've never, ever. Yeah sold them in this quick because there's still some public sales and even renewals haven't taken this short a time. So 90 minutes to move 7,000 campsites and they are working with Bathurst Regional Council to find more space. Wait until that I get is to a my massive hot. That is a huge hot. Outstanding. Right. Mm. Uh, uh, hot your hot, Mark? Uh, where the Shannon Speed Series is now, like I remember 15 years ago heading off to events from Queensland where we won, where we towed cars down on the behind an AU Falcon, which was 10 <laughs> years old at the time. And it's not the status symbol that AU Falcon is in 2023. Um, you know, these days you barely get let in the gate unless you have a B-double. Like mm. the investment and the interest in motorsport in general and at this tier is just incredible at the moment. And the diversity of the program of the weekend, the quality of the racing, it was all there. Tick, 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 tick. It was hot you know just nice touches around the fields like the the speed series banners and the branding and everything that goes on you know we talk about the grand prix that liberty media have up the game there and there's been a lot of that i think go on at this level it looks and presents very well so well done to everyone involved with that um i'd also like to give a hot to the official title of this week's race at imola the <laughs> the formula one qatar airways grand premio del made in italy air Del Emilia Romagna 2023. <laughs> so um, my race report for use half written and <laughs> yeah. hasn't even been a wheel turn. Yeah, so you, 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 you 500 words you got to write. You just write the <laughs> name of the race twice and you're halfway there. And Verstappen one. There you go. And uh, I'd also like to give a hot to the um, Xfinity series finish from Darlington. If you squinted and put the audio from 2003 uh, Ricky Craven and Kurt Busch, it could have been exactly that, but uh, it was Kyle Larson with the win and John Hunter Nemechek in the fence. 
brilliant end to the throwback weekend there. Um, hot to the girls in Extreme Eve from down under killing it. Mm. Emma Gilmore, friend of the podcast, Molly Taylor with the wins there in Scotland. Well done to them. Nice. Very nicely done. Um, I'm back to doing a bit of the hot and not at the same time. Um, from the same internet that recently paired up single Fernando Alonso and Taylor Swift, we have another popular marriage of convenience. Oh, no. Recently driveless Daniel Ricciardo landing at Alpha Tauri, who seemed to have a bit of regret over their decision to enlist Nick with a wide DeVries for the start of the season. Um, allegedly, Danny Rick has been spotted at their factory getting a seat fitting. And, uh, you know, frankly, if this is the kind of workplace psychological bullying that goes in Formula One, I'm happy I just compete in Matacanas. <laughs> you know, look, you two are both bosses, so you probably can't imagine if your boss rolled in and just put somebody in your desk just to size up the monitor and the seat. Like, what sort of psychological bullying He's is that? He's not going to drive an Alpha Tauri. Uh, Why would he drive an Alpha Tauri? That was one of my well, knocks. because he's the test and reserve driver for Red Bull, so he's probably going to test it. He's right. not going to race now. No. Why would you? No. Did we get an update on Fernando and Taylor? That, right. They're still going strong. Choose Good. to pretend that's not a thing that happens. And and one more on the hot knot. Hot that they're tarting up Phillip Island. That's great. You love to see progress. But uh, I think that's all been driven by the motorcycle set because... Yes. Uh, um, the fences that cars tend to hit, they still haven't fixed. Every single one of them is still buggered old tire walls and earth banks, which are just horrendous and they're a mess and they're the worst thing you can possibly hit. You know, you go down turn two, uh, ugly, down to turn three, no good. Then you go up MG, Lukey Heights, both sides of the track, they're still the dirty old walls that are just horrendous. And even then they put that new wall in at... Um, Exit of turn one, which two cars knocked down on the weekend. Whether that's really necessary, I'm not entirely sure. But um, the investment opportunity there probably not there is it at the moment. Now that they're looking at doing Avalon and probably selling off Phillip Island, so no. Well, they were just dictated by the powers that be at FIM mm. that they needed to fix up bits of the safety, and those yeah. bits don't align with the bits that help cars out. Unfortunately, I, I've got a hot and not. Hmm. Uh, my hot and not is hot that photo you took uh, and not the fact that it can never see the light of day. And oh, I think oh, you know yeah. what photo I'm talking about. Uh, so the wildlife, as always, folks, at Phillip Island was omnipresent and the stupidest animal in the world, the Cape Barren geese, uh, <laughs> were in full effect. And let's be straight up and down, some of them died. Uh, one was clobbered by an S5000 on the weekend. And I can tell you right here and right now that in a battle between Cape Barren Goose and S5000, S5000 wins every day of the week. Uh, and then... And twice on Sunday. Well, and, and then Mark has an incredible photo and it is an incredible capture. Um, it, it's it's a Simpsons meme in the waitings because it's like if you push pause, you can see the moment. Ralph's heart breaks. Uh, where, where the goose lost his face. Where the goose lost his face. But unfortunately, because, you know, we, we don't want to anger the RSPCA and um, friends of the Cape Barren Geese Association, um, we probably can never post it, which is a shame because it is actually an amazing photo. But, uh, yeah, brutal. Can I just say you've made me the happiest man in the world ever? <laughs> Look. The thing was, he, it was, I don't know if it was a he or she, it, it they. was standing, 
next to the track and every time a car would come past it would go oh oh that's terrible i'll, I'll fly away and then it creep back and then next car would come through and run away and then he's walked straight on the race line and they started waving yellow flags and stuff and the car came around it's like well this is inevitable but i'll take a photo because it's going to miss surely no. and he could not have hit it harder narrator it did not Pop. miss <laughs> And the the poor flaggies there were quite stressed about it all. It's like, well, there's a fair level of inevitability about this, wasn't there, really? They are the most stupid animals. So dumb. Mm. Just anyway, ridiculous. My grand plan coming to fruition. <laughs> Just remove the one. We'll have one. Unfortunately, they breed, Chebec, so it's a bit hard to stop. <laughs> when they're dead, they don't. Uh, well, this is true. Oh, dear. Anyway. Uh, so, my not was the Bathurst campsites. Uh, Richard, I don't know who told you that they were sold out in 90 minutes because I can seriously tell you they were sold out in five. Oh, right. <laughs> I, I was on at five minutes past 10 and every campsite, unavailable, unavailable, sold out, Well, sold that's out, because they were sold, sold out, out by 9.30, mate. No, they minutes. started at 10 o'clock. No, they went on sale at 8, buddy, I reckon. No, oh. 10 a.m. <laughs> don't say that to me. You've I've gone full Shebeki on this year, Shebeki. <laughs> have no I gone with New Zealand time or something? What's happened? <laughs> I reckon they have. Uh, well, either way, yeah. Well, so you missed out. You, I missed out. And I was going to do it for the first time ever. I've never camped at Bathurst. So I thought this year picked the wrong I might year. just go up there for four days and still work from there and stuff, but just do it from the campsite. 60th anniversary race was probably not the idea to pop your Bathurst no, camping, I Cherry, I reckon. So I'm no looking camp. for a house. Anyone in, interested? Anyone help? Remember the pub out at Kelso set up an impromptu Absolutely. campground? That's still yes, correct. That still helps. Stayed in the house out that way a couple of years ago, and it still happens. Yeah, absolutely. And then you got Staying a, pub, at a there. pub in Kelso. What a great idea! That could yeah. be my camping site. They'll well, that's the beauty. In the morning, it'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have to camp at the track. So no, no. But look, we'll have a team race talk house. I'm sure. I'm sure. It was that your only not. That was you, you missed I'm, out I'm on, saving, yeah, I, I didn't want to go too no, hard because I know that Mark is about to absolutely. I don't know. You're really talking this up. Yeah, I'm here. not convinced. Oh, you talked it up for the last two days. It's true. Um, my not is, um, it, it's actually a, a quite really a serious sort of not, but, um, and I'll do my very best to not bore people with it, but it's about rules. And it comes down to the fact that Australian motor racing operates to two sets of rules. We do. We have two sets of on-track racing regulations. Yeah. There's a set for supercars and there's a set for everybody else. And they're different. And that's really irritating and I'm over it. And part of that was what happened in S5000 on the weekend where uh, on a restart, Joey Mawson got a great run on the leader, was on the push to pass and, and went side by side with Cooper Webster. Uh, and there was overlap as they crossed the control line to restart the race. And and Joey ultimately went around the outside at turn one and grabbed the race lead. Now, he was pinged for that five seconds. Now, rightfully so, he was penalised because the rules he was racing under state that you cannot have any overlap on the car in front on a restart until you cross the control line. So he was in breach of the regulations. That's fine. No problems. My issue is, is that... This weekend, the rules in supercars are that you can have overlap after the apex of the final corner before the control line. So you just can't pass. You can't pass before the control yeah. line. You can't do that in any form of motorsport, but you can have overlap in supercar races. So the rules we saw on the weekend are different to the rules we're going to see next weekend 
this weekend coming at Simmons Plains. And I think that's stupid because when you're trying to explain this to a casual fan or someone who doesn't read rule books because they're not a nerd like me, um, it's, mm. it's very hard to explain. Why do we still operate under two sets of racing regulations? Why don't we all just use the supercar regs? It, it just does not make sense why we're operating under two sets of rules and, and regulations for how things like restarts are managed. It, it's a classic example of our sport overcomplicating an already complicated sport and just making it more complicated. One set of regulations cool. across the board, make it simple for everybody, and then drivers don't have to worry about second-guessing themselves. Oh, hang on, I was at a supercar round last time and I could overlap, but now I'm not, so I can't. It's easier for them. It's easier for those of us in TV land to explain, for the media to explain, and most of all, it's easier for the punters on the side of the road to understand what's going on. So I think it's time that there was a review into that. And uh, if I had the time to write and not bet about it for the race talk, I would. But as a result, it's my not this week uh, on on the grid. Excellent. We'll, we'll just get nice. a bot to transcribe what you just said and post it. I think it. We, chat GBT can do that for me Good. now. So we'll get on that. Uh, all right, here we go. What What is this, Mark? Because let, on our group chat, you've built this up. So uh, let's, let's see he if it's delivered. Right. Formula One in the USA. F1 is absolutely all in on the United States. We're constantly told how important for market it is to Formula One. It's so important that those guys, they get three Grands Prix a year. The only other country with more than one is Italy, and they get one uh, this weekend at, at uh, Imola and one at Monza. Good on them. Well, places like France and Germany miss out entirely. You know, they're just minor countries that have car manufacturers like Alpine and Mercedes AMG, whatever. It doesn't matter. So last weekend, the TV ratings came in for the Miami race. It came back with 1.9 million US viewers on ABC, a free-to-air network, the second most watched F1 race in the history of the USA. However, it was down 27% from the 2.6 million last year. Meanwhile, the NASCAR race that was over on cable had 2.4 million viewers, slightly up on last year. Whatever, that's irrelevant. Now, a fairer comparison between Formula One in the USA is Formula One in Australia, where the Grand Prix this year, about 1.6 million people tuned in to watch the antics from Albert Park. Now, I've done some maths here. If the USA, with its population of 331 million people, engaging half a percent of the population, and Australia, which has over 6% of our 25 million people, right? You got that? And the USA, keep in mind, is deserving of three grants per year. Australia, by rights, and drumroll please, should have 13 F1 races in a season. We don't even get 13 supercars. Pals, you'll be busy. <laughs> but I feel that Australia would really get behind 13 Grand Prix. 100%. Why are we racing in America They've effectively so got four care. Grand Prix over there in North America because you could count Canada sort of as that Northern America well, you can region as well. as well. On that I don't think you're allowed to count Mexico. They've got a wall. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the last administration. Look, I... I don't yeah, get I'm it. Like, they're all about America, but they don't care. Well, because part of it is growth potential, and it's still the biggest market in the world. It's the biggest new car market in the world. It's the biggest commercial market in the world. It's the biggest advertising market in the world. So if you're even only getting 2% of that, it's still bigger than any other country you go to in the world. But on the basis of that, um, and 
there was a story published on theracetalk.com about this very subject not that long ago, about the fact that the Bathurst 1000 is actually the most watched car race in the world per capita mm. because it draws an average of one of almost 2 million people a year, which is about 7% of our population, which is more than any other car race in the world. The Daytona 500, which averages 9.5 million people, is 1.6%, no, correction, 2.4% of the US population. So Bathurst is per capita three times more viewed than America's biggest car race. So by that nature... We should have more Bathurst 1000s. We should have more Bathurst 1000s. 13 Bathurst 1000s. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a fine argument and I don't mind it, but it, it's a 370 million people market that um, if you get a tiny percentage of, it's 10 million that, viewers and 10 million people. So this is why they can afford to do Vegas and sell $5,000 tickets and sell the joint out. Mm. Now, you couldn't do that in France. And be 40 people at home watching. Anyone who can but afford to participate there and they don't. It's, but that's fine. But it's not about that really because it's about the car manufacturers want to be in there because it's such a big commercial market. It's a good point. I don't mind the argument it's at great all. Point. For hey, sure. uh, I'm going to have to wrap it up, guys. Okay. Because I'm just about to jump into my window of opportunity for the Paris Olympics tickets. I was oh. drawn out of the ballot to say that I could receive them. Nope. You'll and have to camp half an hour's in... time. Okay. Where, where are you getting camp, Shebex? Have you so, thought about that, that far this could, this could end up being a really disappointing day for you. It'll be somewhere <laughs> in Belgium, I it's guess. It's Tuesday as we record this, folks, if you're wondering. There, there'll um, be a small pub outside of Belgium. Yeah, in so, half an hour's time, I have a two-day window to purchase my tickets. So, okay. so in Paris? Right now. Yeah, in Paris, 2024, next year, okay. July. How did you there. go with those tickets you bought to the Singapore Grand Prix that was held in COVID? Could not get rid of them. <laughs> Shock horror. <laughs> I got rid of the accommodation, though. That was all right. That's a knot. <laughs> Bloody COVID. All right, uh, thanks for listening. Watch Tasmania <laughs> this weekend. The Porsches are going to be amazing. They'll be a highlight, I think, this weekend. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for listening right here on The Grid.